This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. God made us to thrive within the context of relationships. We had a great illustration this morning, the value of our family relationships as we celebrated together with our families over the, the new lives that were born in the last year. And, and we got to see the, the, the generational support of parents and grandparents, of extended relations coming together. Uh, we, we get to see the value of, of belonging to a church family and the, the relationships that develop amongst us as we worship the Lord together and support one another in our faith and, and encourage one another to grow in the Lord. We have such blessing in, in our friendships, not just in the church, but in the community of, of people who walk through life alongside us that we can talk to about anything, that we can laugh with, that we can cry with when the situation is right, that we have this, this strength and support in those relationships. And sometimes we don't, we don't recognize the value of those relationships until they're fractured. And we begin to think about who we are, what we bring to those relationships, and how we need to live our lives faithfully devoted to the Lord so that we can honor Him in the way we relate to one another. And we've been talking about holy habits in our series, about correcting those patterns of life that will enable us to draw close to the Lord. Last week we talked about language, and very much about what we talked about was, was the way we talk to other people, about the kind of encouragement that needs to be present the truthfulness, uh, transparency that comes when we, when we connect with other people and speak openly to them about, about getting rid of all kinds of language that doesn't need to be there, of falsehood, of, of uh, coarse joking, of, of words that aren't appropriate, and instead building one another up toward the Lord. Oh, what, a, what a great illustration of that communication when we talk today about the value of relationships. And we're going to talk about two kinds of relationships very specifically today that we surrender to the Lord and allow him to, to use to grow us and grow the people that we're connected to. We're going to talk about accountability relationships, and we're also going to talk about mentoring relationships. And we're going to begin this morning uh, with a passage from Ecclesiastes. It's in chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. It says, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, you may have heard that passage read at a, at a wedding, a very significant teaching about the value of living our lives connected to others in relationship with others, and great, great practical advice about the, the, how productive we are when, when we work together, how that support of holding each other up and helping each other through difficulty is present. Now, I don't think a lot about laying down to keep warm outside of the context of marriage, but we do recognize the, the value of being with people to defend ourselves and the strength of strands together. Now, God made us to thrive within relationships, and those relationships can't thrive when we enter into relationships with other people with selfish intention. And when we do, what we find is that we, we end up pushing people away. And verse 10 says, pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. It, what, what a shame. To, to come to a, a difficult place in life where we stumble and fall. And there's no one there to support us, no one to encourage us, no one present 
to help us walk through the difficulties that we're encountering. What, what a shame. This isn't what God intends for our lives. And when we get to that place, we are suddenly maybe aware of the lack, that, that our, our life is lacking genuine, healthy relationships, that we're lacking the support that comes from those, from the encouragement, from the growth that can be yielded only through those healthy relationships that God provides to us the course of our lives. It's important for each of us to, to grow in this area. So let's begin talking this morning about those relationships. I want to begin talking about accountability relationships. And we'll begin with this passage from the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Here's how Paul instructed the church. Brothers and sisters, someone is caught in a sin. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Here's the verse I want to focus on. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. He continues, if anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Now, Let's talk about how we carry each other's burdens. How do we support each other in, in, through our relationships? How do we surrender those to the Lord? And, and especially, how do we help each other grow in our, our relationship with Him, to live faithfully? It's, it's through the implementation of accountability in our relationships. And that accountability guides us toward faithful living. Accountability is a decision, a purposeful decision that you must make in order to engage in. Now, there are times when accountability is imposed on you. When someone else says, hey, you need to stop doing that, and I'm going to help you. And it's, it's valuable to a degree, but that kind of imposed accountability can build resentment and tension in a relationship. Healthy accountability, successful in accountability is more likely to take place as a result of your specific decision toward growth. As you recognize your need for encouragement and support toward a goal, it's important to choose an accountability partner well. You need to find someone who is a peer, who is close to your, your age, close to your situation, who shares common ground with you, someone of the same gender, because you're going to be talking about a lot of things. You need someone who understands your perspective, point of view, can guide you through life and the difficulties, the temptations, the struggles that you face. And you also need to not confuse any feelings that might come up if you were to meet with someone of another gender. Meet with someone of the same gender. This person that you choose to be your accountability partner is someone you should trust very clearly trust. Someone who's proven that they can handle private information and keep it private. Not someone who's prone to gossip, but someone that you know you can depend on to keep the personal information you're going to share with them between the two of you. And that's a part of the commitment that you'll make. As you choose that person, you need to make a formal commitment to be accountable. You need to invite them to walk with you through the decision that you're going to have to make. And when you begin an accountability relationship, I would encourage you to set a positive goal that you want to accomplish as you begin this relationship. Don't begin an accountability relationship with a sin that you want to overcome. Yes, that's a part of accountability. But as you begin, you need to establish the rhythm of conversation with an accountability partner. And the best way to do that is to do that with a positive goal. Say, I'm going to read the Bible in a year and I'd like for you to help me stay on that path. Will you ask me every day if I've read my Bible? When we meet weekly, will you ask me if I've been reading each day? 
Work toward a positive goal first. And then when you've gotten comfortable, when you're used to that exchange, then invite that person to help you overcome a difficulty, a short falling in your personality, a temptation that's present, a sin in your life, something that you want to remove. That's when you begin implementing that overcoming of a negative habit. As you make a commitment with your accountability partner, explain the details of the commitment you want to make. Ask them to challenge you. Ask them, ask them to evaluate the goal you're setting. Ask them to evaluate the plan that you have, to, to find its strengths and weaknesses. See if they have some advice about how you could accomplish that goal, maybe in a better way, and, and invite them into the process. Open up your lines of communication and talk freely in dialogue with them about what it is you want to accomplish. And then give that person permission to ask you questions and commit to them that you're going to be honest with them in the way that you answer. Always be honest. And allow them room to continue questioning you. Not just the questions you provide them to ask, but to dig deeper, to dig below the superficial, surface-level kinds of things. For example, if you're wanting to read the Bible, not only have them ask you, did you read today, but have them, have them ask their own questions, like, what did you learn from your Bible reading? To, to gauge your level of commitment to gauge where your heart is in the process, to dig deeper and see where your commitment is. It's an important part of growing and living faithful obedience to the Lord. And always include prayer as part of your accountability. Accountability is hard, it's difficult, it's uncomfortable. And prayer enables us to grow in ways that we would be resistant to. Prayer helps us overcome our own limitations and opens us up to what God is calling us to do and the person that God is calling us to be. So begin with this positive goal and then share with them some negative things that you want help overcoming and, and invite them to help you accomplish the goal of, of overcoming your, your shortcomings, your temptations, and your sin. Having a, a partner help you grow closer to the Lord is a critical part of your relationship with Him. And having someone in your corner to pray over you, to encourage you, to ask you questions is critical in terms of your growth and faithfulness toward the Lord. When you begin this relationship with an accountability partner, make sure you have an intentional plan. Schedule an agreed upon time and place and also regularity with which you'll meet. We're going to meet every other Tuesday at this coffee shop at 2 p.m. Set it in your calendar. Don't let that meeting become one of those things that you fit into your busy schedule. I'll call you when I know I've got an opening because it's the kind of thing you're going to put off and avoid doing because it's difficult and uncomfortable, especially if you're struggling to accomplish the goal that you've set. That The guilt and shame associated with your failure is going to make you want to avoid that meeting and maybe even avoid that person that you've made this commitment with. Build time into your schedule. Move things out of the way. Sacrifice other things to make this a priority so that it doesn't get pushed by the wayside and make sure that you stay in regular communication with the person who's your accountability partner so that your relationship isn't affected by the commitment you've made toward accountability because that's another difficulty that can happen. Care for one another, pray for one another, and see how God grows you through the process of sharing life with another person as you seek to live faithfully for the Lord. The book of Proverbs reminds us of the, the importance of caring for one another in this way. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, 
so one person sharpens another. Have you ever sharpened a blade, worked with a stone or a sharpening steel, honing device that, that sharpens a blade? The process of sharpening requires the removal of, of rough edges, requires the removal of, of imperfections in a blade. If you sharpen a blade and continue sharpening a blade, that blade will get smaller and smaller because the process of sharpening requires the removal of material. And what happens as those rough edges are removed is the blade becomes more effective. The blade is more capable of accomplishing its purpose because the imperfections are, are, are honed away. And what remains is an effective tool. That's what happens spiritually when we, when we work together and sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. We allow other people to help us remove the rough edges in our lives. We submit those things to prayer and allow God to work through our relationships to, to knock away all those things that, that are creating difficulties in our life, knocking away all the, all the imperfections and the rust and the blemishes so that our lives become more effective, our lives become more useful, that we begin to fulfill the purpose God is calling us to in ways that we haven't been able to before as iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. Accountability is a critical part of our faithful obedience to the Lord. The second kind of relationship that really is a blessing to us in the way we grow in the Lord is, is a mentoring relationship. There's very biblical precedent for mentoring. You look through the pages of scripture, you'll find examples of mentors. And uh, one of the most clear cut examples is the way Jesus mentored the, the 12 disciples, living life alongside of them, calling them out away from their occupation, calling them to leave their family behind and, and follow him and, and travel with him and watch him and listen to him and see him do the things that he's doing so that they would be prepared to take on a role of ministry when, when Jesus went on into heaven, that they would be ready to fulfill his work when the time was right. One of the stories that helps us see their interactions, maybe not one you would naturally think of in terms of Jesus mentoring the disciples, comes from the Gospel of Matthew uh, in chapter 17, beginning in verse 14. Here's, here's a great occasion that we see this at work. Uh, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or, or falls into water. I, I brought him to your disciples so they couldn't heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, Jesus already had a relationship with these men. They were already engaged in the discipleship process. He was their mentor, teaching them and guiding them. And when they encountered difficulty that they couldn't solve, Here's what we find, a, a, a boy who had a very physical appearing problem and they tried to heal him. It was a spiritual problem, a demon. And when the father was unsuccessful with the disciples healing his son, he brought the boy to Jesus. And Jesus, in power and authority, immediately healed the boy. And the disciples 
recognizing their difficulty, went to Jesus in private after the fact and asked a very important question. (laughs) Why? And they opened the door for Jesus to teach them, to, to demonstrate to them what they needed, where they needed to grow. It was a matter of faith. And as the disciples were preparing for their own ministries, this is a critical component of where they needed to grow in terms of their faith. In adding just the smallest element of faith, they would be capable of doing so much. And Jesus used this opportunity to to guide them for their own growth, encouraging them for for the future. When we engage in healthy mentoring relationships, they provide for us growth. And they provide uh, this development toward maturity in the Lord. We read through uh, other passages in Scripture, and we see great examples of of mentoring taking place in in the Old Testament. When Moses was leading the people of Israel toward the Promised Land, he uh, stopped for a time, and uh, his father-in-law, Jethro, watched Moses leading the people. And he saw Moses sitting, listening to the problems that the people of Israel had. And he would listen, and he would hear the difficulty, and he would, he would give them advice or render judgment over the, the dispute that was there. And, and it was taking forever. All day, Moses was sitting, listening to problems, listening to people, helping them. And there was a line of people stretching out. And it was so unproductive. This, all this wasted effort, all this wasted time, people waiting to see Moses. And Moses just exhausting himself over the needs of the people. And Jethro said some very uh, important words to Moses, giving him very clear advice. What he said was, hey, why don't you train some leaders, and, and appoint them over small groups of people. And any, any problems, any disputes, they can take those to the, to the leaders that you've appointed. And when there's something too difficult for those leaders, they can, they can step up the chain. They can go to, to the next leader who's overseeing a group of leaders, and they can take that problem to, to him. And when problems are so difficult that no one else has an answer, they can bring those very difficult problems to you. You can solve the most difficult problems when they're brought to you, and everybody else gets all of their questions answered by other leaders, and there's not a big long line waiting, and everything gets done more efficiently, more effectively, and you have the energy and strength to be the man that God's calling you to be. What, what great advice that Jethro provided to, to Moses through their relationship because there was trust and respect present there. Now, was Jethro a, a specific official mentor of Moses? Uh, in many ways, yes, but maybe not officially. But that advice is still valid and valuable. We turn to the New Testament, and we, we see the mentoring relationship that Paul had with young leaders of the church, specifically with Timothy and Titus in the letters that he wrote to them. We, we read his words. And in the letters to Timothy, we read about the relationship that was present between Paul and Timothy of the the time that they'd spent together, the the care that they had for one another, and the way that they were continually engaged in this this mentoring relationship, teaching and leading Timothy to be the kind of leader that God was calling him to be. Uh, In the book of 1 Kings, we read about the prophet Elijah struggling in his role as prophet over the people of Israel with messages to to the the king and queen that were creating difficulty, his frustration with the people of Israel who were absolutely unfaithful to the Lord, Elijah got to the point where he was just overwhelmed. He no longer wanted to continue. And the Lord met with him, appeared to him, and and ministered to him, and and directed Elijah to go and appoint a successor as the next prophet. And he went and found Elisha and anointed him as the next prophet. And, and, And an exchange took place between them. And you would expect that Elisha would step forward and take on some responsibility. That's not what happened. Elisha chose to become a servant to Elijah and traveled with him, caring for him and learning from him, watching him, preparing for the role. 
when Elijah was taken up into heaven. He then was ready for the role that God was calling him to accomplish. He grew and matured and developed so that when the time was right, he would be ready. That's what mentoring relationships provide for us, that growth and development toward maturity, preparing us to be the people God is calling us to be for the roles that God is preparing us to fulfill. When you seek out a mentor, you need to look for someone who's older than you, who's wiser than you, who's more experienced than you. So if you're a mentor, that makes you feel a little bit better because you've got such wisdom and experience. Someone who has successfully navigated the difficulties and dangers of the situation you currently find yourself in. Someone who has a proven track record. Someone that you trust. Who's earned the right to speak in your life. Who has your respect. So that they can challenge you. So that they can encourage you. So they can correct you. Someone who is, again, of the same gender. That you could be focused on the growth. And not distracted by anything else. That you would dedicate yourself to the growth that God has in store for you through the wisdom and advice and encouragement of this mentor. That you would make this a formal relationship and invite them to meet with you regularly and open up a, a dialogue with them. An exchange of communication. A good mentor learns as much as they teach, grows mutually alongside the disciple. It's a beneficial, mutually beneficial relationship. I have had the blessing of strong mentors in my life. My first ministry was in Fort Wayne. I was hired right out of college to be the youth minister for uh, Jerry Paul at Christ's Hope. Uh, Jerry was a, an experienced minister, and he and the elders hired me and said to me, we're hiring you right out of college. You are going to be our full-time minister, but we want you to consider yourself a learner, student of Jerry. He is going to be your mentor. We don't expect you to have all the answers. So learn, talk, watch, ask questions, develop yourself so that you can grow. And in the process, Jerry connected me with another man named Doug Shaw, who had been a youth minister years before, working alongside Jerry, who had been in the same situation I was currently in. And they set up a regular meeting between Doug and myself, and we would have breakfast, and he allowed me to, to just talk about life and ministry and leadership, to ask questions, to, to present difficulties, to, to learn about how to interact with parents and students and people in the church, about how I could handle those situations better, more effectively, how I could grow to become an effective minister. It's incredible to recognize the development that was taking place because of their investment in me. When I came here to Parkview, our former senior minister, Neil Norheim, spent specific time with me, showing me the process of how he did ministry, talking about why he did things that way, inviting me along with him to see how he did those things. I would travel with him to the hospital to talk with people in their homes, to, to uh, talk with people at funerals and weddings and baptisms, just to, to understand the full gamut of what it is to lead and to minister to a group of people. And through his instruction and advice and encouragement, prepared me for when he would retire and I would become the next senior minister here at Parkview. And I know that I am the person I am today because of the investment of these strong mentors in my life. I look back and recognize times in my life where I didn't have a strong mentor. And I recognize the lack that was present in those times a lack of growth, a lack of encouragement, a lack 
of instruction. And I'm glad to know that for every time there was a resolution that I would enter into another mentoring relationship and see that growth take place again. What I've learned through the ebb and flow of life is that we go through a lot of different waves. There are times of growth. There are times in life where we plateau. There are times in life when we decline. And it's important for us to make specific decisions so that we can grow to be the people that God is calling us to be. We will always experience times of plateau as we're growing. And what we do in that plateau depends on the decisions we make because those plateaus don't last for long. At the end of that plateau, we're either going to continue growing or we're going to decline. If we choose to actively engage in healthy relationships with people, we find accountability, we find mentors, we will most effectively produce continual growth in our lives as we grow and find plateaus and keep growing. If we're apathetic, if we're careless, if we, if we take a passive role in this experience, what we'll find is that after, every time, after growth, when we begin to plateau, if we don't make an active decision to grow again, we will decline. And that, that plateau will become a peak a memory of the glory days, and everything else will be downhill from there. We have to actively choose to continue growing, to faithfully follow where God is calling us, and to become the people that he needs us to be, to fulfill the role of ministry in his kingdom that he's calling us to, each and every one of us, to faithfully carry his message to the world around us who need to hear it. It's through our relationships that we find and foster this growth, personal growth spiritual growth as we develop toward maturity. I want to encourage you to find a mentor. Find someone who's willing to engage in this process with you. Always keep on learning. Find someone who's willing to, to formally accept this responsibility in your life to be your mentor, to invest in your growth, to share, to teach, to listen, to guide, to pray over you and to grow alongside you as you share together. Make an appointment. Set it in your calendar. Agree on a time, a place, a frequency. And, and in the same way you would with an accountability partner, give your mentor permission to ask questions. Give a mentor permission to dig, to get to the heart, to root out your intentions. Let them dig deeper than you're willing to let other people go in your life. Know that they're going to bring about helpful, beneficial change as they're talking to you about your thoughts and your intentions and your motives and your practices and pointing you toward growth. Such a beneficial part of this process. Now, I, I say these things to you and I recognize at some point in life, there's no longer anyone older than you <laughs> or more experienced than you. There's no longer people who have already been where you are. So what, what do you do? Look for someone younger than you. Look for someone less experienced than you. Look for someone who is currently navigating the difficulties and dangers of something that you have already successfully navigated and become a mentor to them and grow through the process of, of leading and guiding and teaching and pray. And know that while there might not be somebody who's older or more experienced, there are other people you can still engage in a good mentoring relationship with. You can find someone who's close to your age, someone who shares some experience, maybe someone who's better at a particular thing than you are, and you can still learn from them as a mentor. You can still grow. You can still 
go through this experience, but it's important for you to engage in the mentoring process, to take your place in the chain. And as much as you've received wisdom and insight and guidance from another person, pass that on to the next generation. Find someone that could benefit from your wisdom and invite them to be mentored. Invite them to begin this relationship with you from the other perspective and ask if they'd be willing to let you guide them through the challenges of life that they're facing and see how you grow and they grow through that process. Remember, mentoring is a delicate, delicate process. It requires your investment and sacrifice. It requires you to listen more than you speak. And you've got to tread carefully, especially when you haven't been asked for your advice on a particular subject. Tread lightly. Probe with questions and, and guide the person you're mentoring to ask for your advice so that you can freely give it, so they don't build resentment for you stepping over them or on them to tell them what they need to do and how they need to do it. Wait for the questions to come and pray for the person that you're mentoring. Allow God to lead you and guide you through the process and see what it is that he does in you as he uses you for a catalyst for growth. What an incredible way to surrender our relationships to him and allow him to work in our lives, to thrive as we're connected to other people. Here's the challenge for today. Surrender your relationships to the Lord. Submit to accountability. Find a partner. Seek out a mentor. Connect with other people. And find someone who you can be a mentor to. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the wisdom we find in your word. Thank you for the examples you provide to us about healthy living, about the way that we're called to grow toward maturity, to live faithfully, and to thrive in relationship with other people. God, I pray that you would present to us a very clear picture of what you want us to do. Impress on our hearts the people around us that you have placed there for this purpose. And give us the courage to reach out. Give us the courage to invite people to commit to a relationship with us and help us to overcome the frustration of maybe hearing the word no and, and trust that that person we've invited has a reason why they don't feel qualified or capable to be an accountability partner or a mentor and, and help us to see the person that you are leading us to establish these relationships with. God, we are so grateful to you. We thank you. And we ask that you would always push us to see the potential that you've placed in us and strive to accomplish it. Lord, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.